time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. So we've been talking about this idea of spiritual warfare and remembering that if you name the name of Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then it is so crucial and important to understand that while God loves you and he does and God is for you and he has such amazing plans for your life that you have a diabolical enemy by the name of Satan who very much so exists and who very much so wants to destroy you, rip every good thing out of your life and lead you to a place of eternal destruction called hell and or the lake of fire. That is his plan. That is his purpose for your life. And he is passionate and he is zealous and he is adamant about bringing that forth in your life. And to just act as though there is no kingdom of darkness. To pretend like there are no demonic forces from hell that want to destroy you. We do so or you do so at your own demise. And according to the word of God, as we talked about last week, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your issue is not with the teacher in your class who makes fun of you or the person who talks about you whenever you're walking down the hallway at school. Your real issue, your real enemy is is the enemy is the devil by the name of Satan or Beelzebub or Lucifer. That is your enemy. That is your opponent. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we acknowledge this reality, the sooner you can begin walking in victory in various areas of your life. So Satan, demons, principalities, powers, Ephesians 6, we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. But then we also talked about the weapons that you have, the name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we're going to go a little bit deeper and kind of wrap up this entire series talking about the armor of God. But here's what I need for you to do. You've got to make a decision in your heart. Last week, we watched a debate even from Christian preachers who were discussing, does the devil really exist? Or is he just a figment of our Christian imagination? You've got to decide what you believe. You've got to decide. Do you believe everything in the word of God or none of it at all? Because there is no in between. There's no such thing as ripping out sections or pages of your Bible and saying, I'll believe this, but not that. And according to your Bible, which you say that you believe there's a very real war that is going on for your soul. There was, we, we can't talk about spiritual warfare. We can't talk about the devil without talking about uh, or, or quoting. C.S. Lewis is one of the most prolific writers, Christian authors and, and theologians and thinkers. Uh, and, 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 and he wrote this book years and years ago called The Screwtape Letters, right? And so and how many of you have read that before? Cool. Okay, so, so you'll recognize this quote where he basically is this allegory of Satan talking to his demons, his minions, and then he's talking about how, how to win. Like here's, here's the strategy of how we're going to defeat this man. And this man is called the patient. The patient would kind of be like you or I. And so he says, I wonder, I wonder you should ask me whether it is essential to keep the patient, us, you and I, in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high command, Satan. Our policy for the moment 
is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics, at least not yet. I have great hopes that we should learn in due time how, the emo- how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is, in effect, belief in us, though not under that name, will creep in while the human mind remains closed to the belief in the enemy. And so as you think about that tonight, and again, as I've stated multiple times in the series, we're not glorifying the enemy. We're just exposing him. We're just saying he's there. It's the elephant in the room in many of our lives. And so tonight, we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. We'll wrap up this entire series. We're going to talk specifically about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 13 tonight. Starting at verse 13, it's on the screens for you. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Everybody say every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. 14 says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, as we've talked about, I mean, as you've seen every week, we had this jousting match to give you a picture. Tonight, I want to give you yet one more picture before we talk about the armor of God by way of arguably the summer sensational hit. The best fight scene maybe of this summer, I don't know, from the Avengers. So it's so cool to see it on screen. But literally, spiritually, this is supposed to be the victory that Captain America just experienced that one little battle should be what our spiritual lives kind of look like in our wrestling match with the enemy every day, you guys. As Paul is writing this, it's so important to understand that Paul more than likely wrote the book of Ephesians, at least this part of the book of Ephesians, while he was sitting in a prison. And so he's sitting in a prison, the Lord is moving on his heart, and he's looking at perhaps, more than likely, a Roman soldier who has every bit of the armor that he's about to describe. And he's looking at the armor, and he says, hey, there's a connection here. And so he starts writing Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then he gets to verse 13 and says, therefore, put on every single piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
Now, the time of evil is every time temptation presents itself. It's every moment where the enemy goes to attack you. And so Paul literally says, if you want to be victorious against the enemy and you should desire this, I don't think anybody, nobody in a real fight, nobody in a joust match, all right, come and knock my head off. All right, throw me on the ground. Yes, I love it. Punch me in the face more. I want to lose. I want to be defeated. No one thinks that way. But spiritually speaking, if we don't plan to win, We plan to fail. And then we wonder why we have defeat after defeat after defeat against the enemy in our lives. We lose. We keep losing. And then we lose again. And then tomorrow we lose. And then the next week we've lost again. And then the next day we keep losing. And so again, this message tonight is for those of you who name the name of Jesus Christ, who say, I am following Jesus. And to the best of my abilities, I am surrendering everything to him. It is you who God says, I have destined you to walk in victory. I have destined you to be victorious over the plans and the schemes of the enemy in your life. But the decision is yours. And so Paul says, you want to know, you want to know what you need to do? Put on every piece. Of God's army. When it gets to, well, I think I'll take the sword, but you know, I'm not really into helmets. You know, it kind of messes up my hair. So I'm not going to put on any helmets today. Or, you know, belts, oh, they've kind of gone out of style. So I'm not going to put on the belt. And so, no, no, no. He says, put on every single piece of God's armor. If you are going to stand and be victorious against the enemy in your life. But this is powerful. So he says, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. That word resist is so interesting to me because literally it means Paul is saying, hey, to resist the enemy means literally to remain undamaged and unaffected by his plans for your life. What would it be like? Can you just pause for a moment and think about what your life would look like undamaged and unaffected by the plans of the enemy, by the plans of Satan in your life. Oh, it's one thing for him to have plans. It's another thing for those plans to overcome you and affect you. And it's a whole different thing for him to do whatever he can. And you still come out unscathed, untouched, unaffected by his lies, unaffected by the temptations, unaffected by what he has to say over you, unaffected whenever he tries to bring your past up right into your present. What would it be like to live a life that is unaffected and undamaged by the plans and the heart and the purpose of the devil in your life? What would that look like? Whatever that looks like, if you can't see it, you won't believe it. If you cannot see it. So can you imagine what that would be like? Think about your last fall or your last struggle in sin. Think about the last moment you were entertaining all those thoughts of depression. Think about the last time that you walked in self-harm or self-injury. Think about the last time that you walked in bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred in your heart. Think about those things and just consider, just ponder, just allow your mind to, 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 to actually entertain the possible potential reality that you can live a life that is undamaged. And unaffected by all, it's kind of like saying to hell, throw everything against me you can. But because of my position in Jesus Christ and because of the armor of God that we're about to talk about, I will remain undamaged and unaffected by you, Satan. What would that be like? Guys, it's not just a dream. 
It's a potential reality for you and I, according to the word of God. So here we go. Resist, remain undamaged or, or unaffected. But here's the, here's the presupposition. Here's the assumption. Put on every piece of God's armor. So let's go through the armor tonight. So Paul starts off and he says, one translation says, having done all, all that you can, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. Now, again, he would be looking at a Roman soldier and seeing the armor that he's wearing. So it's important to understand that the belt of truth for the Roman soldiers, the Greek soldiers, the belt of truth or the belt that they would wear would literally carry the majority of the other weaponry that they had. So the belt kind of held everything together. Without the belt, some of the armor would fall. They wouldn't be able to carry it all in their hands. So they would attach it to the belt all around in the front and on the sides. So the belt of truth, Paul says, attach the belt of truth or the loin belt. The belt equals the word of God. The word of God. This whole thing is held together. You and I are held together. This building, metaphysically speaking, is held together by the word of God. God spoke it and God's word literally fuses things together down to the molecular letter. I mean, down to the molecular molecular level, even atoms and all these things are held together because God's word came out of his mouth. And so we would do well, as we talked about last week. Guys, this thing is so simple. It all comes back to the word of God. And so Paul kind of metaphorically saying, just like you wear a belt, the belt is what holds all the pieces of the armor. You've got to be acquainted with it. You've got to touch it. You've got to know, you've got to know how to tie it together. You've got to know when to unravel it. It's got to fit you. It's, and so God's word, what, what, what happens is whenever you read God's word, whenever you have a, a, an intimate relationship with God's word, at some point or another, you will find yourself in the word, like you will find yourself in a belt. It wraps you up. It, it keeps everything together. And so Paul says, you know what? The very first piece of the armor is, is knowing God's word, knowing what God's word says. Without knowing God's word, you will not know what weapons to use, you guys. Does this make sense to anybody tonight? I'm just talking to what I believe to be a few warriors in this room tonight those who will answer the call. This wasn't just a cute kind of title that we came up with. Authentically, God has called you to fight the good fight of faith like Paul told Timothy. And so, you, well, I'm timid. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Where well, you're going to be a, a dyer. You're going to die. You're going to be defeated. You got, you, so so what, you've got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to fight the enemies in your life and smiling and hugging people and all that is great. But at some point there's got to be a lion on the inside of you that says, I will not just lay down and die. I will fight the enemy in my life. I will fight against his lies. I will fight against temptation. I will fight for my purity. I will fight for my identity. I will fight for a revelation of what God thinks about me. I will fight to love others. I will fight to forgive others. I will fight to be kind and show mercy and show love and extend grace. I will fight because God has called me a warrior. Amen. A warrior. And so, so sorry enough. So we got the so we got the, the, the belt of the belt of truth or the loin belt, which means the belt equals the word of God. 
Now moving on, he says, he says, and also the next piece is the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. And again, with, with Roman soldiers, the breastplate would, would protect some of the most vital organs in our body, right? The heart, the lungs, the kidneys, the, uh, the stomach, all of these things, the breastplate would cover some of your most vulnerable parts, right? It's one thing to get stabbed in the leg. It's another thing for somebody to take a knife and stick it in your ribs, right? It's, a, it's different. Yeah. I mean, crack ribs is no joke, right? And so, and so the most vital parts of you, Paul says the breastplate of righteousness, the Greek understanding of righteousness, it means to be in right standing or right alignment with God because of Jesus Christ. I believe that the breastplate of righteousness also alludes to a revelation of your identity in Jesus Christ because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. I am in right alignment with God. Paul says, you know what? You know what? One of the most vital pieces is to protect your, your, your heart, your organs, your lungs, your most is, is knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. Knowing your position in Jesus because of Jesus. And you guys, it's one thing to kind of, uh, I sort of know it. It's a whole nother thing to, I know it. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know who God is. I know who I am in light or in respect to who God is. See, it's not that difficult, is it? It's not that complicated. I am what I am, says Paul, by the grace of God. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm in right standing with him. So we got the belt of truth. And then we have the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that we are in right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, he says, have your, the shoes, the shoes, your feet. One translation says, ready, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and the big idea here is, is with shoes. He says, hey, action, or, or, or sorry, with shoes, embracing the peace that comes from knowing the gospel. Now you say, oh, the gospel, we've all heard the gospel. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. See, to know the gospel is to have such intimate relationship and, and such intimate experience with God, with Jesus, with the story of Jesus, that it actually moves you to a place of peace, no matter your situation or your circumstance. And some of us, if we were honest, we have no idea. We've never really entered into the gift of peace that God actually has for us. We say, well, I don't really like, you know, those shoes. Mm, I'll just kind of put on some different ones. Those are uncomfortable or what. The gospel of the shoes represent the peace that comes from knowing the gospel. The gospel, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus lived again, and Jesus did it all for me. And if he had to do it all over again, he would do it in a heartbeat. See guys, you can't really put on the shoes of peace without embracing and receiving the love of God. It was love that pushed him to a cross. It was love that held him on a cross. It was love that kept his mouth shut. It was love that caused him to speak. L-O-I, L-O-I, masalabatani. It, it, was, it was love that caused him to say, it is finished. When was the last time you just thought 
pondered, thanked God for the reality of the gospel, for what Jesus Christ did on a cross and the fact that he rose from the dead. When was the last time you allowed just your heart to just be kind of moved and be kind of stirred a little bit because a man left royalty, God left royalty, embraced full humanity, was beaten, spat upon, all these different things. I told you last week, the, 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 the idea would be palms in the face, just for hours on end, just for you, just for me. Just sit in that for a moment, you guys. There is peace that will come. And Paul says, it's not just an invitation. It's not just a warm, fuzzy suggestion. It's actually needed if you're going to remain in a place of victory over your enemy. Amen. Amen. So your feet, your feet, your shoes, shoes, where you go. I think it's also interesting that he, he likens peace to shoes because shoes cover your feet and your feet are how you walk and, and where you go. And, and really we, we find out where to go based on the peace of God that he reveals to us as we walk out his plans for our lives. But that's another message. All right. So our shoes, our shoes, embracing the peace that comes from knowing the gospel. Thirdly, or fourthly here, the shield of faith. Everybody say the shield of faith. The shield is massive, covered like from here all the way up to here. It was a full body length. And of course the shield, what they, what they would do was rub on some, this oil on the outside of the shield that whenever arrows would come because it was so slippery, it would just kind of like, I mean, just pop off. It would hit and then it would go off. It wouldn't pierce it many times. And Paul says, you know what? You absolutely need the shield of faith. The shield oftentimes would cover even their heads. And in our lives, reference this last week, the lies of the enemy, man, don't they just come like darts, like, like arrows a lot of time? Like you're just like, where did that thought come from? What in the world? You know what I'm saying? Or is like, can we just be real? Like maybe a sin that you committed like six months ago or like six years ago, just in the middle of worship. It's like, whoop, where that arrow came from? You know, can we just be real tonight? Are y'all going to be real? Okay, great. Okay. And so, so honestly, it's like these mental, like, oh, you know, or just in a moment, even whenever you go to pray and it's like, ah, oh, what is going on with my mind? It's, and we don't even realize it. Warfare's taking place. I believe every time you go into the place of prayer, every time you try to go to a prayer meeting, every time you try to, every time you set your alarm clock, all right, I'm going to get up and pray. Or whenever you go to kneel, there's always going to be these darts, these arrows that come. It can be an indication, Instagram, bam, Facebook. All right, six likes or Snapchat. Oh, got a story. What, What? Like arrows, like darts. And Paul says, you know, the solution for this is kind of simple. It's the shield of faith. Now, what do I mean by the shield of faith? Just put that on the screen for us. The shield of faith just represents action-oriented belief in God's word. It's one thing to say, I believe what God is saying. I believe what God says about me. It's another thing to allow that belief to move you to a place of action. So you kind of start living differently. 
You don't, you, you, don't, you don't believe every lie of the enemy anymore. You don't, just, you don't just allow yourself to just be connected with every negative influence in your school or in your... There's, there's, it's action-oriented belief. It is, it's allowing my behavior to be determined and influenced by what God's word says about me. Amen? This is so simple yet so difficult at the same time unless we're super intentional, you guys. The breastplate or the shield of the shield of, of faith, action oriented belief in God's word. Second to last here, we have the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The most crucial part, the most, the most, the, the most, the most vulnerable part is, is the head. And so, so this helmet that the Roman soldiers would wear, it was made either of brass or some other type of metal. It was specifically fitted to shape the shoulders head. So it was very, very tight and it would stay on. This speaks to the mental assaults of the enemy. The battlefield is really in the mind. What's your thought life been like today? Hey, hey, what's your thought life been like since the moment you walked into those doors tonight up until this moment? Hey, what are you thinking right now? What's going on in your head? Some of the most strategic times of warfare, I believe, is whenever the word of God is being preached. Mm, all right. <laughs> Some of the most strategic moments where the enemy launches a full out assault oftentimes is right here in the house of God, right here whenever we're gathered. Why would that be? Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist because he knows that revelation, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. What God is trying to impart to you through his word, that's many times when the enemy does some of his best work. And we just go, well, I'm just, well, not a big deal. All right, I'll just be distracted. And demons are just rejoicing all around you. But you're called to fight and you're called to be victorious because once truth comes, you now have an option. All right, I'm going to continue to just being like just punched in the face by the enemy. You're just, you're just going to allow him to do that to you. You know, anybody ever just seen like a, just a real, I mean, like someone who should have won a fight. And it's like, and you just want to say, you're just going to, you're just going to let him do that to you. Like, you're just going to let him just, I mean, just knock you out. Like for real, like you can do something about it. You're just going to stand there. You're just going to, that's how it is so many times. You're just going to, you're just going to let the enemy like just pounce on you like that? Are you just going to let him throw darts in your face? And like, are you just going to let him just punch you in the mouth and split your lip? Spiritually speaking, whenever we're not aware, whenever we're not fighting, you guys, we're losing. But God's called you to win. He looks at you tonight. No matter how timid you are, no matter how that doesn't really fit your personality, he looks at you tonight. And it says, arise, my mighty warrior. Kind of like he looked at Gideon and said, arise, mighty warrior. And Gideon's literally hiding behind luggage saying, uh, who, like me, what? And he's literally, Gideon in the Old Testament, right? In the book of Judges, he's like hiding behind like luggage and, and just kind of rummaging, like pillaging through things. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, arise, mighty warrior. And he's like, uh, I don't see any warriors around. <laughs> like, I don't, you must have the wrong guy. 
And many of us, whenever the Lord begins to speak prophetic promises over us, we respond the exact same way. Why? Because we're not conditioned. We're not accustomed to hearing truth. Because we're so used to hearing what our culture says. We're so used to hearing what we read on the internet or what we read in our Twitter feed. Or we're so inundated with, with culture and the world that whenever the word begins to be spoken over us, it's irrecognizable. It's, I've never heard such a thing before. Warrior. What? God calls you a warrior tonight. And as a warrior, he anoints you to fight. He's anointed you for victory, you guys. Amen. Amen. Hey, lastly here, lastly here, I told you guys, so simple, so, so practical. Lastly, we have the sword of the spirit and the sword that the, that the Roman soldiers would use. It was kind of like a dagger. It was just like a big dagger. And so it was used for like hand to hand combat. Whenever there was very close combat that was taking place, it was, it was, it was really, really sharp. And, and, and they would lunge it forward to cut and all these things. And, and so Paul says also, the last piece is the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which again, all roads point back to the written word of God. This is why we place such an emphasis as desperation as, as DSM. You know, the first part, the vow, passion, intercession, consecration, mission, the, at step one, base level, ground zero, but passion, spending time with God's word, allowing God's word to fill your heart, allowing his truths to reign supreme over every lie of the enemy. You cannot speak something that you do not know. You cannot wield something that you are unfamiliar with. You'll cut yourself and hurt everybody around you. So you spend time with your word through your junior high years and your high school years and young adult years. And you'd be amazed where you are at 23 and 24 and 25. You don't have to be a preacher to know the word. You spend time with the word. And whenever the enemy comes with all of his lies and all of his assaults, you pull out a sword that he never saw coming because of time spent with Jesus Christ, the living word. Just teaching tonight, you guys, I'm just... Just sharing some things. I know it's a different night. You're supposed to be running around, inspiring you, jumping on chairs. I just want to teach you tonight from the word of God. It is so important. How did I, how did I make it out of high school? How did I make it through my undergrad years and grad school and all of that? How did, how did I make it all the way just to even in the walk of purity and still being a virgin at 27, getting married to Octavia? It was the word of God. It was the word of God. How, do, how, do, how, do, how is that victorious in, in specific areas of my life and, and overall would lose some battles, but, but get up again. It was the word of God. How to overcome the lies of depression or you're not good enough or you're not smart enough. Or you could never be all that God's called you to be. It was the word of God. You spend enough time in the written word of God and the spoken word of God will somehow become like second nature to you. And you wield it. And you wield it. And you wield it like a sword. See, some of you have just been so accustomed to losing that you actually believe this is it. Like, this is my life. I lose. I, I just, spiritually speaking, I would never say I'm a loser like in the natural, but spiritually, I'm just a loser. I'm just going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. I'm going to struggle with these thoughts. I'm going to struggle with these habits. I'm going to struggle with this mindset. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle, struggle, struggle. I'm just always going to lose because I've always, all I've ever done was lose. I've lost and I've lost and I've lost. So this is God's plan for me, right? I mean, like, this is my little lot in life. And God says, no. 
use my word and you wield it like a sword in the face of the enemy and you will find victory. Anything that is in opposition against God's word written and spoken about you, you fight it, you resist it. Hebrews says you have not resisted unto blood shed. What is going on? Why are we comfortable with losing? Why are we happy in, in losing? Just look, well, I just, well, I mean, it's fine. Well, what, what's going on? We've got to shift this culture, you guys, as sons and daughters of God. He has anointed you for victory. He was victorious. Therefore, he has called you to be victorious. He has called you more than a conqueror. He has called and spoken over you that you will overcome. You cannot overcome if you don't have an enemy. So just in that statement alone in Revelation, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we like to sing the song. But do you really understand what that means? Overcoming victorious, overwhelming victory is given to those who will rise up and fight. Amen. Rise up and fight. So I'm just, I'm just calling you. The last one that's not really mentioned here. I want the worship team to come make your way to the stage. The last one, he doesn't mention it specifically, but as he would be riding in a cell and looking at a Roman soldier, the only other piece of equipment that the Roman soldier would have that's kind of implied in the scriptures is what's called a lancer. Everybody say a lancer. Or a lance. Or the person doing the lancing would be a lancer, but a lance which was, everybody know what a lance is? You know, like the long, it wasn't a sword, but it was kind of, you know, everybody know that? Like you've seen those movies. So what's cool about this, this is always amazing. What's cool about this is the lance that's not explicitly mentioned in scripture. I would submit to you that it is alluded to by the final charge and command that is given by Paul. And so in Ephesians chapter six, you can just put this back on the screen for Sean verse 18. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers For all believers everywhere. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Intercession, prayer, crying out to God. See, the lance would deal with whenever the enemy was at a greater distance away. I could slap you in the face if I had a lance and you could be like all the way over there on the second row. Wasn't for hand to hand combat. And so the picture here that Paul is painting, 
that you have all these different weapons, the word of God. And then sometimes the Lord will begin to speak to you in such a way and cause you to fight in such a way that it's almost like an airstrike. It's a, it's the, the enemy is not exactly in my face. It's before he gets close to me with the lance of prayer and intercession. And as I begin to cry out and pray, sometimes in English, sometimes in the spirit, as I pray in the spirit, in a prayer language, it's kind of like taking a lance and literally slapping the enemy in the face before he even gets close to me. Overwhelming victory is yours. Do you think we just call prayer meetings just to pray because it's something cute? No, we are in a very real fight. We're in a battle. People are dying. Teenagers are committing suicide. People are overdosing on drugs. And all the while, we're just standing around. Oh, what a cute little thing. I think I'll make it to a prayer meeting like next year or something. And God is saying, I have called you to fight.